And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Camp, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer from The Athletic, coming at you with uh, my co-host for the week. We are down a man, Fred Katz, resident Knicks beat writer, is not joining us, not feeling very well this week. Fred, get well. Uh, you can hear me a little bit. I'm struggling. The Knicks with the have sent him into just a, a tailspin of confusion <laughs> about all their strong yes. play. I mean, they look like one of the best teams in the league right now. He's so tired from writing all these winning game stories that take the positivity to pull it out of Fred Katz. It, it just sucked the life out of him. Love you, Fred. But he'll be back next week. Um, I sound like Barry White, a uh, very dated and old reference, but hopefully the listeners don't mind the the new uh, deeper tones coming my way. The little winter cold got the best of me. But Slater, Mr. Anthony Slater, Warriors beat writer, fellow West Coaster, haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, man. How are you? I'm good. You know, the, this was a really good weekend of NBA basketball. Like, just the games were very good. And if they felt important, more important than they had prior to the break, for sure. And, like, Preach. you know, obviously it helps when they're competitive games. And a lot of them, you know, yesterday, what was it? Nuggets went OT. Warriors-Wolves was very close late. There was a fourth-quarter comeback. And then, obviously, that Lakers-Mavericks game. Yep. You go back to Saturday, you have that wild finish with Tatum and Embiid. Embiid was one of, like, the greatest non-shots in NBA history. And then, obviously, we might get into it later, but Kings-Clippers was was something. So. Why am I blanking? Yes, it was one of the best post. Uh, you know, uh, you know, not not a. Uh, Shots that didn't count. Thank you, my lord. And Bead's shot was incredible. But who the hell just did it last night? It, it happened again two nights was later. Was it? But uh, it was Paul George. Thank you. Yeah, was it Paul? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was Paul George from like, three, you know, basically half court. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Would have won it. But I was watching that game with my younger son, and I, I've said I don't know that I've ever seen that, and now we saw it two nights out of three. Uh, so wild stuff, and I'm with you on. The action being good, we will talk later in the pod about. I think we might pontificate a little bit about the old load management discussion and, and how like refreshing it is to finally see these guys out there a bit. But but also some other spots where guys didn't play, and I was a little puzzled by that. But 
let me uh, set the stage for this week's tampering pod. Uh, here's what we are planning on getting into. We do have some news of the week later that I want to tackle. Um, so real quick, uh, we're going to hit on Quinn Snyder to the Hawks. Damian Lillard's 71 performance, 71 point performance against Houston. And then per our Sham Sharania, uh, some progress in the CBA talks between the players union and the league. That's a good sign for basketball fans that certainly don't want any kind of work stoppage that I do not see happening. Then on the back end, we just we got to handicap the home stretch when it comes to this, you know, what I think is going to be a, a fun and furious finish with so many teams, so much parity fighting for playoff position. And then there's a lot to get into there. Um, not the least of which is little little teaser here in our backyard is man, the Kings came out strong out of the break and they've had some fireworks and and had a little fun. So let's get to the news of the week. Um Quinn Snyder, I'm gonna start with that story. He leaves the Utah Jazz, you know, a while back um in a in a pretty I, I always thought a pretty interesting fashion, meaning that you know he sees the writing on the wall when Danny Ainge comes in to head up the front office, sees that you know Danny is notorious for kind of flipping rosters on their heads, but even more nuanced than that, just like you know really creating a vision with with a team the way he wants to. And the question I think for me the second that Danny Ainge came to town in Utah was it, there was no acrimony between he and, and Quinn, but it was definitely a question of all right, what does this mean for Quinn and how he might see his future because Quinn always had a lot of voice in that jazz organization when Dennis Lindsay was running the front office. Um, and so Quinn ends up, you know, during that whole time when they traded Donovan Mitchell, trade Rudy Gobert, Quinn heads for the exits. And he was going to always be a hot commodity on the coaching market for his next stop. I, I like this fit in Atlanta a lot. He signs a, a five-year, roughly $40 million contract to take over a team that is underperforming that entered this season post Ajante Murray trade. Is that, with, is that that's one of the more higher paid coaching? Contracts. It's pretty high. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would agree. I don't have the entire pay scale, but it's it's a pretty good number. And it's also, I think the reason I mentioned the Jazz backdrop is because uh, unless I've missed it, I don't think there's any formal front office title attached to Quinn's hiring. But I think it is safe to say that, like you know, he's going to be heard on the personnel front, and I well, think. Yeah, we what have. You're, what you're real, saying is like the timing is makes a lot of sense. Where um, there's, it's not necessarily a power vacu- vacuum in Atlanta, but you, obviously you have Landry Fields is is the name we know that has, has stepped into power, and Kyle Korver has stepped in. Tony Wrestlers, you know, but they're they're clearly rearranging stuff, and it is at a time where a coach can come in, and you're not like unseating somebody who's like. You know, yeah. built this full roster. It's the polar opposite of Utah. It really is. And that's not said with any – I mean, I, I've obviously written some tough stuff about the Hawks. But listen, they they deserve a chance to take a crack at this thing. And I've said before that Landry Fields has a very good reputation, you know, despite his inexperience. You know, he's 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 got a runway here to try to do some good things with this team. But it is the polar opposite from Utah when it comes to Danny coming in you know, with a, a lifetime of experience and a long, long resume and a reputation that didn't leave a lot of oxygen in the room for somebody like Quinn. And it is, you know, in, in Atlanta, it's very different. If you go back, Slater, you know, and, and I'd written a lot about this at the time, you know, when the the kind of fallout happens with Travis Schlank and, and you know, he's not there anymore. And then they are essentially trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, they talked to Chris Grant at one point, you know, an experienced executive. And and the idea was 
we need more experience in the room. They didn't end up, you know, adding Chris to the front office, but they had serious talks with him. You know, and if anybody doesn't know, former Cavs GM was working with the Spurs. So you saw where Tony Ressler, the owner, was looking for ways to add experienced voices. Uh, and I think, Quinn, this was a really, really good hire for them. Uh, he's a, a guy who is just widely respected on the coaching front, has a great dynamic and vibe with players, but he does it in the kind of way, in my opinion, where it, it should work well for their group, and specifically Trey Young. And the idea that, you know, I think Trey and Quinn can flourish together uh, it's not like he's coming in here as one of those old school coaches where, oh, Trey's about to get checked. Like Quinn will check him, but Quinn will also partner with him and Quinn will try to make this thing work. And, and you know, I think they're going to get clarity down the line, you know, relatively quickly on their roster and how they see it. And that's what they need right now. Yeah. Well, my bad. Yeah, well, what I think is um, notable about the timing of the hire is how, ru- like, rushed is maybe not the right word, but, like, you know, this came together so quick, and right. he may coach this week, which is, you know, rare. Even at times, you know, I could think of, like, college football a lot of times, right, when you have the coach that's fired, you even hire a coach before the bowl game. A lot of times that head coach doesn't even come in and coach the bowl game. He'll sit in a suite and, like, kind of oversee because they want to start their program in the offseason, fresh slate. Quinn Snyder's like maybe coaching like Tuesday against the Wizards, basically. <laughs> right, right, right. So they just really want to and coming speed straight up. off vacation. By the way, he was on vacation with his family well, at an undisclosed location. But yeah, he was living it up. And then the this intel thing that only Sam Amick can get. Yeah. Um, but it's you know I just think that also means that Quinn Snyder might have some you know grander thoughts on what might, might need to be done this summer with this roster to to you know really boost it. Right. And he wants to get like on the ground, ground zero answers before then. And, you know, not only obviously do the Hawks want to, to get him in and still have like probably some level of hope for a surprising run right now, but also like Quinn Snyder's like, I need to get in and like see the damage, right? It's like a, a, I think a renovator a who's like, point. let me come in and look at the damage. Well, and I think he needs, he his voice would not have a lot of credibility this summer if that's when he came into their program. You know what I mean? He wouldn't have the ability to say, here's what I see from this guy, that guy, here's what I want here, here's what I'm thinking there. You know, yes, now he can spend the summer with their group, you know, figuring out what they want to do based on how they play down the home stretch. They are 31 and 30 right now. And I mean, listen, it, it could have been worse. You know, I know they're below expectations, but... They are, let's see, I mean, they're only three and a half games out of the six spots, so if they want to avoid the play-in, you know, they, they can still do that. Um, so, interesting Same hire. Same record good as hire. the Warriors, by the way, 31-30. Sure. Half yeah. the league, I feel like, is like hovering near 500. No, it's crazy. All right, so that's news of the week number one. News of the week number two, let's move on to Mr. Damian Lillard. Oakland's finest, um, a dude who just continues to you know, kind of beat up the history books when it comes to the scoring front. Uh, you know, the the one stat that jumped out at me that I should have been prepared with here, and maybe you've seen it, you can help me out here, Slater, but number of, of I think it was 50-point games. Um, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have gone on that road if I didn't have the numbers. But he just, he is doing things that even the, the greats of all time have not done. 71 points against the Houston Rockets. I have to admit to get this kind of, haterade out of my system right at the top here like i i struggle with it a little bit because i watched the, the tail end it's incredible 
You're about um, to just kill the rockets. It's just it's it's just the rockets. They don't they didn't make any adjustments. You know, he had 41 at halftime. They're not sending double teams his way. Um it, it didn't feel like they cared if he got to 70, 80, 90. By the way, um, two nights earlier they gave up 12 threes to Clay Thompson, and then they gave up 13 to Damian Lillard. Right. So oh here's the stat I was looking for. Dame has five sixty point games in the last five seasons. Uh, James Harden has three. He's number two on that list, and this is according to Stab News. Great follow on Twitter if you feel like it. Um, nobody else in the league besides Lillard and Harden has more than one in the last five years. So, yeah, it's incredible, but it's only the Rockets. And then, yes, I'm also going down that road of, and I know this drives Dame crazy, but it just kind of is what it is, is like the meaningfulness of the performance is minimized because I just look at that Blazers team and where are they going? They're not, you know, they're not really going anywhere. And I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I've always respected the hell out of his fight and his talent. And, you know, it was fun to watch. Uh, but he's in there late when the game is already decided. He's, you know, there, there's some hunting going on, which I do get. I, I can't be a hypocrite. I've had times when, when Steve Kerr would pull Clay you know, when he's got 60 after three quarters, when you're kind of going, man, come on, like, let him cook, like give the fans what they want. And so I have no problem with Chauncey Billups and the Blazers doing that with Dame. But I just, again, it's the same story we talk about with him. I, I wish that either the Blazers had found a way to put a better team around him at this point, you know, or he was somewhere else where they were more elite. It was on in the Warriors locker room post game because the Warriors had an early tip last night. So, yeah. uh, you know, Lillard was up to like, 60 at that point when like you know a lot of the Warriors players are kind of starting to filter out talk to the media all that and you know some of the front office was watching the, you know the the Lillard game and it was just funny because you know obviously most people are looking at the point total but there was some conversation about the amount of threes he had made because this is Clay Thompson's Clay, like, right, you know right, protected right. record of 14 which is the only one he has over Steph Curry and he's very proud of <laughs> like I've got one over Steph and Dame almost touched it last night you know he had 13 Clay's at 14 and you that was uh it was just a funny level of drama and like to me what it you know I guess punctuated for me I mean you're right on the grander Portland conversation but it was just a very good punctuation to a very good weekend of basketball where two nights earlier I was in that same locker room and there's nine people including a few players really locked into King's Clippers and and that crazy game final score going to OT and it was like it had it had been a while since I had felt since like you felt like there was must watch stuff going on in the league that even, you know, random opposing locker. There are players that are like not leaving to go home yet because they're like, oh man, this is going double OT. Like I kind of right. got to watch this right now. And it no, was like I, that with Lillard I, last night. I love that. Now I'm, I'm like the negative Nancy today, but like to contrast that a little bit, the, the Blazers play in Sacramento a couple days before and they had a disastrous time on the travel front where they, they were stuck on the tarmac for seven-plus hours because of snow, uh, ended up having to go back home that night rather than fly to Sacramento. So I get it, like very little sleep, but I w it was puzzling. They they end up making their way to Sacramento, and you know the vast majority of the guys on the plane end up playing in the game, but the Blazers hold out Dame and, and Jeremy Grant. you know, And the Kings, I'm sure, loved it because they get the W that night and, and they got to not face this guy who's capable of dropping 70-plus. But, you know, I didn't quite understand that day why Dame and Jeremy didn't play. And, and there's just, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, coming out of the All-Star break where load management was a real hot topic, 
Um, I do just, I don't agree with the commissioner. There's far too much of it. And I understand the revenue streams are still very healthy for the league, but anecdotally, this season, there has been far too many nights when you turn on a certain game and you're excited to see a certain matchup and the guys that you're there to watch are not there. So to spin it positive, yes, it is nice to see, you know, at least early signs that that's changing down the stretch. It's somewhat natural because the games matter more. And I mean, look at the Clippers. You kind of alluded to them. I mean, Kawhi Leonard in his last roughly 18 games, I saw this stat last night, is playing like 37 minutes a night. I mean, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? And this looks is, good, by the looks way. Looks great. Looks dangerous, you know, and they've dropped some tough games lately. Um, Why, really? They, they, it's weird because, like, I'm coming off this week where, yeah, they just lost to the to the Kings and uh, the, the Nuggets. Nuggets. And, by the way, signed Russell Westbrook, which I believe the last time we were podcasting, we were like, that would be a bad idea if right. they do that. Don't do that. And then they did. But so you would think, oh, man, this is a week we should be talking, like, uh-oh in Clipperland. I'm like – feeling the opposite because of how good Kawhi looks you know their deadline additions which are under the radar probably right eric gordon Mason yeah i like Plumlee. him though but it I helps like him. Plumley actually man he had some moments against the nuggets um you know let's save that for the handicap and the home stretch we can talk a little more clippers on that front let me quickly get through the end of the news of the weeks later um you know we hit on quinn we hit on dame 71 this is not as sexy but you know this is the tampering pod we got to give you the uh, kind of the the meat and potatoes of the league's operations. So, um, like I said earlier, on the collective bargaining front, there's a March 31st opt out, mutual opt out date for the current CBA. Um, so both sides have been negotiating, you know, pretty consistently recently, making progress on talks to get a new deal done. And just I guess the updates are, I mean, coming out of All Star Weekend, it was really clear to me, and I talked to both sides that I would be stunned if they didn't get something done before that deadline, before the playoffs. And we're seeing that bear out even more now. Shams had reported that, you know, the the luxury tax levels are one of the main, you know, kind of final points of contention that they are negotiating. And the general idea that because revenue has increased so much in recent years, player salaries goes along with that, that they they want to make the the lower levels of luxury tax less punitive, uh, you know, and, and less prohibitive for teams that are trying to compete. And I'm sure Joe Lacob loves hearing that, although he's deeper, deeper into the tax. But, um, you know, you save on the, the lower levels, you save overall in the bill, right, which is Right, what, it staggers like that. Yeah. For you sure. Know, and I'm sure, that, you know, maybe the repeater is a conversation within there. You know, I, that and, you know, part of the reason the repeater was put in to, was to um, dissuade teams like the Warriors. Seems like what the Clippers will probably be under the entire Steve Ballmer era of like, we don't care at all about the luxury tax. We're not just dipping into it for this little title window. We're just, you know, forever into it. Right. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the tax rules are coming out of this. Right. So, I mean, tax is a big one. The other big one that it's going to be a talking point, you know, among the fans is, is the uh, age eligibility in the draft. You know, all signs pointing to it being 18 and, and one and done being a, a thing of the past. Uh, and then an interesting, you know, and I couldn't really understand this during the, the union's press conference at All-Star Weekend. They alluded to this, and this was with uh, C.J. McCollum, with the union president, Grant Williams, you know, is now a VP, the top VP, you know, with uh, Tamika Tremelio, executive director. They talked about the idea that with, you know, the possibility of the draft age going down to 18, that there would be an attachment of sorts uh, as far as veteran players, like some component where, you know, if you take a guy out of high school, 
you, you have to make sure you have veterans around them. And it seems like the incentive is twofold or the objective is to preserve some of the jobs for the older guys, because obviously the younger the league gets, the more older guys get pushed out, but then also to value the mentorship and, and the experience stuff that does matter the younger the, the players are and to, to make sure that there's the kind of voices in a locker room that can help a guy succeed and, and not just flounder because he's you know so inexperienced. So interesting stuff on the CBA yeah, I, front. I just have heard Draymond Green grumble about that idea over the last you know couple of years that, where it's like you have a lot of these – you know, full rebuild teams, and he'll just be like, why don't they have <laughs> veterans in that locker room, right? Like, you're right. just not teaching good lessons to these young players. So that is... Like, the know, Rockets are a good example. They, they yeah. I saw this the other day. I mean, you know, Boban Marjanovic is the only vet left. You know, it's just a bunch of kids and Boban. And, you know, as, as affable a dude as he is, you know, that's not ideal. He's not sitting down, like, really talking about the deep business of the NBA. He's just right. probably making some people laugh in the locker room. <laughs> Telling him how to be a play-by-play commentator. I don't know if you've seen that commercial, but it cracks me up. He, he, he bounces. Dribbles, he, dribbles, he bounces he dribbles, he dribbles, again. He, bounce, he pass. He pass. <laughs> All right. That's the news of the week. Let's keep it moving. A um, little light and, and fresh here. Um, handicap on the home stretch, man. Tell me where you want to go. Um, I think you, you said... I don't you know, want to go anywhere. I want to go where we're both located currently. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that's what you were going to say. All right, man. So... <laughs> Should we break and then talk about it? Yes. I'll look at you. Good job. Andrew Schlecht, super producer, had told us to break, and, and I forgot. So on the uh, other side, we are going to uh, talk all things Beam Team, Sacramento Kings surging a bit coming out of the break. We're going to talk about Slater's Warriors, the Knicks, Mavs, Lakers... Maybe some Wolves, Clippers, Blazers, all of the above. Sounds like we're we'll talking right about the entire league. Yes, here it comes. Come join us. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Slater, uh, for those on YouTube who can see me not looking at the screen anymore, I'm looking at my phone, and I'm trying to pull up a DM because uh, I'm going to give a fun little shout-out to a guy that uh, I ended Sam up... Sam revealing his DMs, right? Yeah, now. baby. I Okay, so... Uh, uh, scroll past the other three, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the more salacious ones. All right, find the one you're looking for. See, and, and I hope I'm not, you know, hope I'm getting this right here, but like... That this is a Kings related conversation. So, I the other day uh, turned on local news, uh, Good Day Sacramento, which you know they do a nice job. They're always on our TV in the mornings. Sam Amick would just be chugging coffee watching Good Day Sacramento. That's right, man. That's right. So there's a young man by the name of Denzel Joyce, IG tag Young underscore Z E L Young Zell. And he was performing his rendition of Light the Beam, which is a song he wrote to honor this King season. And I think timing-wise, I think this is post-All-Star break, but before any of the games. And so as I saw it, you know, I had that, you know, for the sake of the Kings fans, that familiar sense of, of angst where it was like, oh, my God, the, the hype is so through the roof. Like, if what if they don't keep playing well? And so he's on local news you know, like dropping this song that's pretty slick. I liked it, you know, it, and it's all about the beam and what the Kings are doing. And so we actually exchanged a few notes because I, I tagged him on IG. Um, but then Slater, listen, so far they come out the gates just fine. They beat Portland. Again, it's not their fault that Dame and Jeremy didn't play, but they take care of business there, even though they were down 19 to four in that game, which was kind of crazy. Um, then they pull off that Clippers game that, Maybe I have recency bias, but I personally cannot remember a crazier NBA game in the regular season ever. Uh, I really don't know. Warriors, Thunder, 2016. Sure. Steph, deep, deep, deep three. But, I mean, it was it was the game of the season. I think that's obvious. Well, and it's they were – I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but, I mean, they were down like 11 with about, you know, three, four minutes to go, you know, dead in the water. They were down big in the first OT. They were down, I think, six late in the second OT. I mean, my God, from a scoring standpoint, the thing that I loved, and we're not going to just hammer the Kings-Clippers game. We're going to talk, you know, where the Kings are going. But the thing I loved is that, you know, yeah, they don't play – their defense is terrible most nights. In that particular game, I actually thought the effort was there. And and it sounds crazy because it was 153 all after regulation. But Kawhi Leonard was just unconscious, you know, getting – you know, contests – almost every time, and still just dropping everything. Um, you know, Darren Fox, Malik Monk, Paul George having a good night. The shot-making and the skill 
on the offensive side was an absolute pleasure to watch. And it was just a, an incredibly fun game. But I do think it showed a ton for the Kings about this character that they apparently are building and the way that they are competing. And, you know, they follow that up by beating OKC. Again, they catch a little break because Shea Gilders Alexander has a, a lot of breaks. That's they a do. Big break. Um, Ankle problem, yeah. so he didn't play. But yeah, Kings are three and zero out of the break, and and you know, relieving some of that local angst. Yeah, to to I guess emphasize your point, uh, I sat down with Mike Brown on Wednesday, so this is the day. Oh, was before. that in person? I read the yeah. piece. I didn't know yeah. it was in person. Okay. Yep. Sat down with him on Wednesday, and that was the day before the second half began, and or second, you know, the post All Star break, and he he shared the same concerns that you had of like, you know, we've done a lot to this point, like the three seed seems like awesome, but like look below us, like right. you know, you let your foot off the gas pedal for ten days, and you know the Kings are ninth or something like that, um, and it is a he's a funny guy to to talk to right now because we know who he is at his core this like defensive hound you go back to his cleveland cavaliers days it's like ground and pound like bottom 10 in pace like lebron will will us to 95 points and we will hold the other team to 89 right. basically and he's currently the head coach of the number one offense in nba history i think they are at this point <laughs> after this week uh and they're really high in pace and they're like there's the three seed and only, by the way, one and a half games out of the two seed, which is crazy. Um, yet they're still like 24th in defense. So it's like he's having this like he might, you know, he's a coach of the year candidate quite clearly. Yet he's like just like, you know, I think fidgeting over there on the sidelines on a nightly basis because, you know, he never I don't think he ever envisioned winning an NBA game 176, 175. Um, you know, and it's like part of the reason to the all time record, man. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason Kawhi's going off the other day is. You know, they don't really have much wing defense. I know that's an issue with the team. But um, the one thing that you, I think we all, all could say about the Kings, like they've really optimized the regular season for them. And it's just been a really good story. There's a reason nationally people are into this team, not even, you know, the gimmick of the beam, which, by the way, I was driving home from Warriors Wolves last night and it was early tip. So I was passing by down to, uh, downtown Sacramento before midnight. That thing was beaming into the sky. I could see right. it from from the highway. So, um, but it's just like you know you've you've railed against load management, and and we've talked about hey, it's good this week to finally have regular season games that people seem to care about. Well, that's been their entire season. They right. have been into every game. That crowd has been into every game, and it's just it, I think it's been good for the sport to have a team like them that is like it. It does feel like a an old school like attacking of a regular season their starters have played some insane amount of minutes together by far the the highest uh five-man total in the league and it's just you know i think i'd be worried about them in the playoffs because they they in some ways are a regular season team where when when other when when rivals might match their intensity level match their focus on a nightly basis that might take away some of their advantage that they've had but man, they're a good story. They are. No, they are. And I mean, I, I hit on this a little bit last week on the pod when when you weren't with us. But at All Star Weekend, um, or no, I guess I didn't. We didn't pod after All Star Weekend. I'm sorry. Uh, the Kings had a, a like an off the record brunch <clears throat> at All Star Weekend, and I enjoyed stopping by and seeing some people. And what struck me a little bit is that going in, Who I was, was there. Though that's kind of the thing. Like it, it was, you know, Vivek Ranadive essentially hosted um 
and I rolled by initially with the intent of stopping for probably literally 20, 30 minutes because player availability was later in that day for the All-Stars. And so I, I thought, well, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll, I'll pop in. And I was falsely assuming that it was going to be, you know, Vivek and a few of his closest friends and like a fairly small, quaint affair. Um, and, 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 you know, it's not the type of thing you see a lot at All-Star Weekend. Not every single team throws a brunch or whatnot. And so um, I get there. And it's like a veritable who's who of NBA folks. Um, you know, Adam Silver stopped by for a while. Rich Paul was there. Bill Duffy was there. Prominent agents. And look what the uh, Kings are. The Kings are dragging some power hitters in there. I know. Right? Well, this I mean, is- you know, De'Aaron Fox now rep by Clutch Sports, so that made some sense. Um, but I, I mean, all you got to know is that I ended up kind of posting up in the middle of, of the restaurant with some folks and and uh, and did not make it to player availability. I, I ended up, you know, enjoying myself and and it was a great you know relationship networking place had a good time and appreciate at the, the at hospitality this, this is by the way what a scene i am just envisioning right now it's almost like a godfather type like italian restaurant with power hitters everywhere and then you go to the back and it's sam amick on a couch and there's just you know there's gms there's commissioners around and like they all want to get can we get can we bend your ear for five minutes sam yeah, it wasn't like that. It was like, hey, this is uh, this is Shams. He's over here talking to folks. Shams well, another yeah, power yeah, hitter another in the building. Hitter. You continue Indeed. to show. I'm what, already what sharing too much. It's off the record brunch, but it yeah. was like the point is that like people showed out and the vibe, you know, with the Kings in general was very positive. Uh, Shaq came by another another heavy hitter. This is this is was Fifty yeah. Cent there? He's been at like no seven 50. Kings games. Ron Artest was there. I got to hang with my guy Ron Ron, which I got to be honest, the old Daniel Artest. No Daniel, no Daniel. <laughs> Although I did tell Ron recently about our uh, about our Twitter interview with Daniel, which was pretty epic. Um, that was a Twitter. That was a uh, an athletic live podcast. Oh, it was. We did, right. Which maybe we should do one in the future. But that was that was fun. No doubt. But like, yeah, I mean, Kenny Thomas ran our test. Uh, all the Kings luminaries. Peja. Uh, no Peja. Peja's no. son, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, is like an awesome player in the Sacramento area. Oh, we're going deep player. on the Kings now. Look at you. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, the, you know, this is what we're here for. In-depth. Andre Stojakovic headed yes. to Stanford. He's um, going to Stanford. That's right. Yeah, he's like a really good local high school player. No, indeed. Absolutely. But no, that again, it, but it kind of dovetails with the whole, you know, the guy in the local news, you know, rapping about light the beam and, and on the entire vibe i'm sitting there looking at all-star weekend going man they better come out of this break with some fire and to their credit they have they got okc tomorrow and you know it's going to be a tough stretch from there but it's pretty massive that they've even created the room they've created coming out of the, out of the break in these first three games yeah you again like you know the entire, i wrote a story that was all about what's below them what's below them because you know and they, to to this day they should still be very concerned with that but Suddenly they win yesterday, and I'm looking at the standings. I'm like, uh, they're one and a half behind the Grizzlies for right. two? Right, right, right. Like, it's interesting. It is indeed. All right. Uh, also, in the handicap and the home stretch uh, thing, before we get to your Warriors, Slater, uh, I would like to talk about the Mavs and, and by proxy, the New York Knicks. And I think you can probably guess where I'm going there. The, the Mavs drop a, you know, they're up 27 against the rebuilt Lakers. The Jared Vanderbilt-led Lakers. Yeah, what a comeback from Jared Vanderbilt. He was making plays. He was, indeed. And again, you know, six degrees of kings. They they tried hard to get him, and they couldn't. He would look good in a Kings uniform. Seems like half the league did. No doubt. So um, the Mavs now have lost three out of their last four games with Kyrie and Luka 
playing together. They have another late game. I mean, they have had a disastrous run when it comes to late game situations with Luka and Kyrie. They just have not been on the same page. Kyrie inbounds to Luka, trying to get it. Uh, you know, Luka apparently thought he was getting it at the half court line, but Kyrie was trying to lead him into the backcourt. And next thing you know, Vanderbilt breaks it up, and and that's that's it. That's a wrap. Lakers win, and and so the Mavs. You know, these early stages of the Kyrie Irving Mavs are not looking great. And it's like, my goodness, you talk about optics. You you look up and you say, oh, you know, you know who is playing pretty well is the New York Knickerbockers, five in a row um, since they were I'm pulling this up. I think eighteen and eighteen, roughly. I'm, it's I'm, I'm close. It's in that ballpark. Around December 31st, they have won 17 out of 26 games. Um, Jalen Brunson in that span, averaging almost 29 points a game, about six. Uh, what is it? Six uh, assists almost, and and about four boards. Uh, I mean, Jalen Brunson. I get it. The Mavs didn't know he was going to take this jump. You know, nobody knew he was going to take this jump. But but the idea that they obviously could have had him next to Luca and should have extended him earlier, like we've talked about countless times. Um, it just looks rougher and rougher, especially considering the Kyrie experiment is is not going perfectly so far. Yeah, wish we had Fred Katz for this uh, Jalen Brunson segment, but right. um, the the Kyrie Luca, I, I still as a playoff pairing, they're going to be so dangerous. I mean, we we've seen what Luca does in a playoff setting. Uh, you know, it's just like kind of a one on one threat and score and we've seen what Kyrie in the LeBron days the Cleveland days can be as like that dangerous sidekick next to you know a big scoring forward passing forward so I still would handicap them as one of the the larger threats in the west but you know they got growing pains and yesterday I mean you can see it late in the game I can remember one possession where it's like Luca's trying to post up I believe he has Schroeder on him on a switch but they're kind of you know, shading a double, and it's just an awkward possession where it's like Kyrie's trying to force feed Luca, and and I think in a lot of ways Kyrie's come into this situation like really trying to make it work, and part of that right is it's not the hey when it's your turn my turn I want it to be my turn, it's almost the opposite right like please it's your turn like no like it's your team Luca, but that has created this weird you know oversharing and like you know they don't know who should attack when and then suddenly it's late in the clock and it's a step back 19 footer and i think a large part of the comeback yesterday is like they just wilted offensively um at a time when you would think like that is their advantage right to have those two late in games they should be elite closers and they're just not there right now well and it's the uh the opposite again of we talked about the kings coming out well out of the break and, and the mavs you know they've now lost four out of five uh, they're in sixth place in the West. They're now flirting with the play-in tournament. They're only a half game up on your Warriors for play-in status. And, you know, if it had gone the other way, they could be pushing the Kings for that third seed. So, you know, I don't know where it all goes, but it, it really does. It's one of the more compelling situations to monitor down the stretch because of the stakes of it all, right? The idea that Kyrie went to Dallas with zero promises made about what he would do in free agency. And, you know, we can only evaluate what's in front of us in the moment. So, you know, as of right now, you look at it and go, oh boy, like, you know, if you're Kyrie and and this is how it's going to go, then who knows where his head is at this summer. Um, you know, when you look at things like Lakers being a possibility, Phoenix being a possibility, a lot of ifs, you know, in between those two teams and others. But yeah, Mavs struggling coming out of the break. Um, 
you know, Lakers. I mean, are are we buying the, the, the this version of the Lakers? They've they've had a a good couple of games here. Um, they I've, I've heard some parallels that I liked about how their roster construction now more closely resembles the 2020 championship team that they had in the bubble. More depth, more versatility on the wing. Um, and and again, the Vanderbilt thing has been good. Beasley as well. It was a great trade, um, you know, and even when D'Angelo Russell's out there, he's got to catch and shoot and make threes, so he's going to spread the floor, which is what they need. Um, you saw <coughs> Vanderbilt, like, imp- like they don't win that game if <coughs> Vanderbilt isn't just flying around changing the energy of the game. He had that one play on the sideline where he just, like, hustle steals, like, falling out of bounds, fires it, like, I think righty, like, kind of hook pass over his shoulders. He's falling out of bounds, like, right to somebody for a layup. Like, that's the type of play that's two points there, and it just, like, juices up the team. And then suddenly, you know, players are basically slapping the floor defensively to go get another stop. So, like, that right there, if you just, like, you know, you make a trade to the deadline, like, how many wins does this help us get? Well, like, check one, and, like, they don't win that game yesterday if they don't make that trade, right? Right. Um. So, and they need every win they can get. But I, so so I do think I'm like higher on their potential, much higher than I thought I'd ever be this season right now. But at the same time, I think you saw the concern yesterday where, you know, that them actually making a, a contending run, which they're trying to do, requires like at this point, what, like three months of like every night do or die basketball from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Davis, who we know his injury history, and then LeBron, who has unbelievable his career has been from a durability standpoint it's like he's clearly going through some health stuff he's really limping out of the arena yesterday you know i mean everyone who was watching the game saw this whole situation with it seemed like his ankle i just like do they hold up physically because they they need to be where's out there your, to win every night where's your three-month window not to not to push back well on what him, is but it I mean, it's february 27th so I mean, february six March, weeks March, till March, the april, end. april to know, may you yeah. know that's like you know because they're not just talking about. I mean, I know right like now the goal is like should be all right. squeak in you. the playoffs, but yeah. they're not trying to squeak in to go down four one in the first round, right? If they get in the playoffs, okay. Let's say they do. Let's say they power through these twenty games. They get in even as a six seed. They don't even have to do the plan. Well, you know, it it won't feel like oh they're really fresh for game one round one. They might be exhausted for game one round one. So right. no, that's my concern. Is just like three. The three and a half months of like do or die basketball, like, has already started. No, but it will be again. This is the story of the season. And what I am really enjoying about it, you know, load management issues aside, is, you know, Adam Silver at All Star Weekend declared that it was the most competitive season in NBA history. That is something that is, you know, evidence based where they've studied it and that's the conclusion they've come to. I talked to Evan Wash, who was their schedule mastermind at the NBA about that topic uh, as well. And it's something that they are feeling good about, you know, on the the basketball side, of course, but that translates to business. And the parody is great. And the Lakers are going to be fun to watch down the, the line. I know we've had debates in the past about, you know, would you prefer greatness, like your Warriors just, you know, lapping the field and making it clear that they are on a level above everybody else. I think we still have greatness here. You know what I mean? Like, the Denver's Milwaukee's are, you know, Milwaukee's a championship team that is trying to get back there. I Boston, don't know that we have like greatness. I think we have elite teams, though. I mean, I, Milwaukee Good and Boston, teams, but no, nah, I mean, I don't agree. Like, 
Where are we know. at here? Let's look at the standings. I mean, it's not. It's certainly where, where not are the Nuggets. Go? How many games are the Nuggets going to win this season? See, you're just you're just salty because I dropped the Nuggets first, and that just puts you down the. Well, I just <laughs> you're mean, like, you know, remember road. the 2016 season. You obviously the West had a 73 win team, a 67 win team. The Spurs won 67 games. They were the second seed that year. The Thunder, I remember, had this like they were 55 win team, which is what literally might get the one seed this year in the West, and they were. Like it was, they were disappointed. It was the last year of Durant. It was the first year of Billy Donovan. They were entering the playoffs as a fifty-five win team, feeling like they had no shot. The Celtics like that, are on pace to win fifty-nine. So what does that mean? How, how do that, you? I mean, that's, that's the league pretty low for you know the Suns. You know, uh, I know it didn't translate, but what the Suns won like sixty-five games or something like that last year. Right. I hear. I do hear you. It's not the same as those years by any means. At least I. I do enjoy the fact that that we have, you know, the Boston, Milwaukee's, Denver's, you know, to a lesser degree. I mean, Philly's played well lately. Um, there are a few games back, but you know, there is an upper crust, and then there is a jam-packed middle that makes it fun for I think a lot of fans, a lot of fan bases, and a lot of teams. Um, so let's flip it in that vein to talk about your your middling Warriors and Wolves, and and the game that you just covered. Um, that's another one where. You have teams, you know, staring at each other in the standings. They are now after that game, a game apart. Warriors and yeah, seven tied. They were tied at five hundred. Of course, it's like right the place right. to be right now. So uh, we'll let's start with your team. Uh, you know, just such a slog of a season for that whole group. Um, you know, how did they feel about yesterday? I mean, satisfied with the win because any win right now is like so necessary for them. Um, it's not been a good season. I'm still very skeptical of them coming together at the right time and making like, you know, re- repeating last season. Um, I just, I personally don't see it, but the only reason they still, and I wrote about this post came, the only reason that this dream of a repeat is still at least realistic is because they're actually 11 and 12 without Steph in 23 games without Steph this season. Eight of those, or actually nine of those 11 wins have also come without Andrew Wiggins, who a lot of people would say, at least in the playoffs, might have been their second best player. Draymond Green right now is dealing with a knee flare-up. He's missed the last two games, yet they've still won them. So they've had, been missing basically their three best players at the last two games and one. Um, and just the fact, like, you know, the story in previous years, even back to the Durant days, is like their inability to survive without Steph Curry on the floor, right? Right. Well, they... I mean, eleven and twelve without Steph has has made it so they are thirty one and thirty instead of you know twenty four and whatever right now and like you know down below the Lakers essentially. So um, that has that has creaked open the door for the idea of a Steph return, a Wiggins return, a Draymond return at some point in the next few weeks, and then you know they try to make a run, which you know again, I like I said, I'm I would not predict that at all i do not think it's coming but it's at least still on the table because of you know games like yesterday where clay thompson who maybe you want to talk about a little bit but clay thompson's had a really good two months like he you know he's he's up above 40 percent from three on a very high volume he's scoring like crazy and and he's he has won them these last two games 42 against houston 32 yesterday he's been great all right slater well done man we got good chemistry today brother uh i'm ready for you you get you want these numbers from december 27th to now for Mr. Clay Thompson. Yeah. Mr. You know, Mr. He's washed after all those injuries. I'm just trying to lean into his kind of, you know, everybody hates me vibe. Um, Clay Thompson in 22 games, 
the Warriors going 12 and 10 in those games that he played in since December 27th. I'm going to start with that three-point percentage because that's what he does above all else. You talk about high volume, 12.1 attempts uh, during that stretch at 44.4%. 44 on 12. I like. I mean, honestly, have we – maybe hyperbole here. You can check me if, if I need to be checked. Have we seen a stretch like that in the mid-40s on that kind of volume ever? I mean, from Clay or otherwise, because his otherwise. teammate has done that. <laughs> on 12? You, Steph? Yeah. At, four, at mid-40s? All right. Well, let me – yeah. I I'm mean, just saying, that's that's something, man. It so is, it's, though. I, I mean, his game against the Rockets was hilarious. He went 12 and 19 overall, but that was 12 of 17 from three. 17 of his 19 shots were threes, <laughs> and all 12 of his makes were threes. It's just – you know, and as you said, the Rockets weren't exactly you know locking Steph, him down. Just and, for context, Steph in that stretch, although only twelve games, is forty one point two percent on basically eleven threes a game. So, I just I made mean, my God, man, almost forty five percent. How about on, this? How about this one for you, sir? The unanimous MVP season two thousand sixteen, Steph Curry for the entire season seventy nine games. He was forty five point four percent from three on eleven point two attempts per game. That's less than twelve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And one of the unanimous MVP. <laughs> uh, I did vote for him that year, hence the unanimous part. Yeah, I mean Clay. I mean, I, I we probably. I mean, you you writing it every day, but honestly, nationally, we we probably need to give Clay a little more flowers. You know, he's he is a major part in them keeping their head above water during the stretch. Yeah, um, and he, you know, you would appreciate this, Mister PBWA, but he's his. Uh, Press conferences have been very good and like very reflective okay. post game. Proud of Clay. Good job, Clay. That's he's the in, Pro Basketball a, Writers Association yeah, he's, for people. He's who been don't in know. like a, you know, when people play well, they're in a good mood. When people don't play well, they're in a grumpy mood. That's like pretty normal, I guess, league wide. But he's just he's been like very revealing too. In these is he talking? Games. My favorite, one of my favorite Clay, you know, habits is talking to the gem of the human being, Janie McCauley of the Associated Press, about his swimming habits. It always cracks me up. When yeah, they, there, yeah, I don't know that it was a swimming habit, but there's been you know random conversations coming in and coming out of the media room where he's fielding all inquiries about basically anything. Nice, nice. I like he it. He was no, talking Clay's yesterday. Killing. Joe, Bo- he, um, he hit a three late yesterday, and then he did this weird taunting, hopping thing towards the bench. It was a little bit reminiscent of the Dylan Brooks thing he did on Christmas. Um, at the Wolves bench was like, well, you know, why'd you do that? And it was because he was going after Joe Boylan, one of the Minnesota assistants who, to going back to his rookie year, was like a player development guy. And, you know, apparently every time he goes against Joe Boylan, he just starts yelling at Joe Boylan. He said, well, they just, they enjoy yelling at each other. So. <laughs> I'm going to love uh, post-playing retirement commentating Clay, like to see if he, you know, channels – his dad style, um, you know, because Michael is is a total pro on the the Lakers side, but he's got a little I, of that. By the like way, Bill I love go, so I, every time the Warriors play the Lakers. The Lakers pregame has me on the radio, and that's Alan uh, from L.A. and um, Michael Thompson. So I go on yeah. with Michael Thompson, and I just it's hilarious because it's Clay's dad. Yet he has like you know pretty pretty hot takes at times, including I was on the other day, and he was. Just they're gonna rue the day they traded James Wiseman. They will rue the day. Wow. And I'm just like, well, this is like Clay's dad is like 
really upset about the James Wiseman trade. Not upset, but like he was like very critical approach. of the James Wiseman trade. And I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of interesting, I guess. Did you, did you approach Clay in the locker room and say, your father says that you will rue the day that you trade James Wiseman? I Do you agree? But maybe right. I should. I mean, you know, Clay, at this point, how many times in his life has he had somebody come up to him and be like, did you see what your dad said? <laughs> As an aside, man, I love the whole Thompson family. I actually, I, I got together with some of my family yesterday, was telling my sister Kelly about this, how Clay's uncle, Andy, is is just an incredibly accomplished, and we've had him on the pod. You know, Andy's an NBA videographer who has been shooting everything, like the best footage in the league going back to the mid-80s with Michael and, and all the Last Dance stuff to LeBron's entire career to stuff with the Warriors. You know, you got Andy being a rock star in his space. Michael doing his thing, um, you know, Clay's brother coaching on the team as well, you know, Clay doing his thing. So good for the Thompsons. They're out there getting theirs. Yeah. Any other teams we want to hit? Well, I mean, the Wolves. Yeah, part let's of that. finish on the Wolves. I think, yeah, yeah let's, let's go ahead and wrap up this uh, fine episode of Tampering with some Wolves talk. Um, just observations that you saw in their, their new kind of Mike Conley iteration as they try to salvage all things Rudy Gobert. So it's interesting. The last two times the Warriors played Minnesota, like obviously Towns is out. You know, it sounds like maybe he'll come back pretty soon, but he's missed several months at this point. Um, but go Let me interrupt super out. fast later. This is terrible podcasting, but I don't want to. I just made a massive Warriors mistake. Can you give us a quick update because the listeners need to know on Steph and when you think he's coming back? Yeah, I saw him on the practice court yesterday, pregame. Um, Going through a pretty, you know, high intensity individual workout, you'd say, and then you know he seems to be in a peppier mood in the locker room. Um, they're officially given a re a reevaluation Wednesday. I mean, he's out for sure Tuesday night. I wouldn't ex- necessarily expect him like you know right away Thursday, but he's getting closer. I think in the next week to ten days, um, it's it's possible to see him. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, the Andrew Wolves Wiggins and, also remains away from the team. Very private right. matter that they're not revealing specifics on. He's now missed 13 days. No clue at this point. They don't seem to have a clue when he'll be back. Draymond Green has now missed two games with a knee flare-up. Uh, it doesn't seem overly serious, but it he had like a setback apparently. So he's no no clue on him either. Okay. Now, as for those Wolves, uh, they've, they've now lost 7 out of 11. And uh, like you just kind of mentioned, weren't able to beat a Warriors team without Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, so, I mean, as I was saying, like, no Gobert, no Towns in both of the last two Warriors-Wolves games. And the first one, Nas Reed, starting at center, goes for 24-13. and 13. Wolves actually won that game. That was, like, February 1st, I think. Uh, and then yesterday, he hit 18-6 and six in the first quarter. First ten minutes. Good lord. Yeah, I don't. He finished with like twenty seven. Thirty and, and no, thirty and nine. I got it here. Thirty and nine. There you go. Yeah, yeah he was like dominant in the first quarter, uh, and it's just. I mean, it's kind of a weird situation they are. They're in, in the center no James spot. Wiseman. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, that will rue the day. Yeah, uh, and you know g- the way Reed Nas Reed's played so well. Like he's going to play himself probably into some money this summer. And you know, can it be with Minnesota? I'm sure if it's if it's coming back to a teams with Towns and Gobert on it, like Nadri probably doesn't want it to be in Minnesota because he doesn't want right. to be a third center, especially the way he plays at times when he's given opportunity. Um, obviously, they're not playing that well. I mean, I think part of that reason is their theoretical best player, Carl Anthony Towns, has now missed however many consecutive games. So 
Uh, I'd like to see him back before making like sweeping judgments about their season being a failure, but they're not in a good place. Yeah, and again, uh, we're going to end on a downer note, but but you know, this is the the time to uh, to surge uh, if you're trying to do your thing on the playoff push and, and they are not doing that. Um, so I like it, man. This was good. We made our rounds around the league. Uh, any other final thoughts that come to mind? Uh, you know, we did almost touch on the entire so- association, not a lot of East coast, but you know, we hit the Knicks. We're West we, coast. I think we're known as West coast. We got to be league wide, brother. We got to be we gotta, cats. What cats is for Fred. Will we got to give the week. Intel we got. And you know, when you're, when you're the godfather <laughs> of the, the Sacramento Kings powwow at, at all-star. What weekend, does that make you? If I'm the godfather, you're, you're quickly moving up the food chain. I'm uh I don't know. I mean, there's probably you're a the Sopranos Don. or like a, yeah. a godfather reference in there. <laughs> and I don't know. We don't need to get too deep. <laughs> now cue the, uh, the godfather music, Mr. Schlecht. All right. Thank you. As always, to the listeners uh, for joining us. Uh, Always enjoy doing this. Later. Good seeing you, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, everybody. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.